Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of our Amateur Spotlight series here on Whiskey Throttle Media. I'm your host, Brent Bowser. We're here today with Slade Verola. What's up, Slade? How are you, man? Good. How about you? Tell us a little bit about yourself, how old you are, where you're from, when you started riding, things like that. I'm 18 years old. I'm from Simi Valley, California, and I've been riding since I was about three years old out in the desert. Were you more of a desert kid? For a long time and you made the switch over or have you been well, raised in all, your of our, life? all of my family and like my neighbors and stuff always did big desert trips so we uh we started out in the in the desert and then we had a lot of friends that raced so we got into that real quickly when did you think you started taking it serious and racing more bef- before when it was just something fun that you like to do we would always do just like the california stuff um like gold cup and when Transworld was a thing and all that. And it wasn't until I was like eight or nine that we started doing some of the nationals outside of California, like the spring nationals and stuff like that. And then I don't think I did Loretta's until I was about 11. We just kind of eased into it and still having fun to this day. Man, those Gold Cup races back in the day were huge. I even raced those back. I mean, you were probably a little kid, but back in like 05, 06, man, those, the LACR, those things were massive. So unfortunately, I don't think they have those anymore, but Man, that was a big race for California back in the day. Yeah, it was fun. We had a lot of competition, that's for sure. Are you attending public school or are you homeschooled? So I'm graduating now, but I did attend public school my whole life, except for one semester. I went to homeschool. It was my junior year, but I elected to go back. And then I graduated in December. I took three college courses at our local community college, and I was able to graduate early. So stoked on that. So now I'm taking basically like a semester off and then the next semester I'll start back at community college. A lot of kids are homeschooled nowadays. You don't ever really see the whole public school thing anymore, but are you glad you did that and you could kind of be a normal kid, so to speak? Yeah, there's two sides to it. I mean, it would have been nice to go homeschool and fully chase the dream, if you will. But then again, it's always good to be a normal kid, you know, learn how to socialize and it's always good to have a plan B. So went through public school, kept good grades, took the hard, challenging classes, um, so I'm, I'm pumped that I did it, although I would have liked to see how it was like would be if I was homeschooled, but yeah, I don't regret it at all. Yeah. And I always wonder if for kids that are homeschooled their whole life, it's like on one side, it, it's cool that they got to grow up and go riding every day in training, but also you, you get to miss out on a lot of the fun stuff that you get to do as a kid where now at my age, you're an adult, you kind of look back like that's, that stuff was fun. So if you didn't get part of that when you're young and you could look back and say, man, I wish I would have done that. So that's cool that you. You stuck through it, even though you probably gave up a little bit on riding and racing. And now you're going to college. Is there, is there a specific career path if it wasn't moto that you'd want to do? Yeah, so we're giving it our all this year. And then I'm going to start back up taking a few classes just so I don't overwhelm myself, just so I can still train and possibly go pro next year. My sister's going the engineering route, and I think I'm going to follow that route. I'm pretty good at math, and I just honestly, it's a good interest and should be good. It'd be hard, challenging, but, you know, it should be, uh, should be fun go that route yeah and it's always good to have like you said a plan b i look at guys like josh cartwright in the in the pro ranks he's making 450 mains i don't know if you've heard his story but he went through college and he actually has a full-time job now and he's out there making 450 mains so i think yeah yeah i think that's impressive and then but again i'm sure sure, you know ultimate goals and make it as a writer but um you know how tough that could be so it's nice yeah you're thinking of a big picture there for sure It, it was cool cartwright i actually met him at a2 when i was racing futures and we probably had a 20 minute talk about it. He went to college, he works, he can ride when he can. And I think that's, that's really cool. And no one really touches on that, that he works full time and still races and making main. Like that's, that's sweet. 
Um, and, you know, plan B, that it's very important to have one. Yeah, and he's crushing it this year. He's made quite a few mains. I think it might be his best year yet now he's working full-time. He's got to be pretty busy over there, for sure. For sure. It's someone to look up to, for sure. And it's it's a pretty cool story. Yeah, and I think, too, this sport is tough. And some of these, even these highly touted amateur kids coming up that have all the promise in the world and they've dedicated their whole life to this. And sometimes, you know, they're in the sport for a couple of years and it spits them out and they don't have a backup plan. It's It's sad to see because... There's a lot of talent out there, and our sport is so small compared to other sports. I think it's growing bigger now with them having the World Supercross, and there's more opportunities for guys to make money and make a living doing it. But man, it's still a small percentage that actually can do that. Oh, for sure. And like one injury can end it for you. You know, it sucks to say it's not an if, it's kind of when, you know, if you get injured and all that. But um, yeah, it's a a tough sport and it uh, can chew you up real quick. I think that's why we love it. Well, I'll ask these this or that questions. I've been asking these on every podcast. I try to mix them up a little bit so they're not the same questions, but basically I'll ask you something and you'll pick one or the other. So the first one is country or rap music? Country, all day. Beach or mountains? Ooh, I'm not a beach guy. I'm more of like a mountain and lake guy, so I'm going to have to go mountains. TikTok or YouTube? Ooh. I find myself on TikTok way too often, so I'm going to TikTok. I think we're all in the same boat. <laughs> yeah. Um, Xbox or PlayStation? You know, I'm not big into video games, but I do have an Xbox. So I'm going to say Xbox. Okay. This one's new, and if you weren't born when you were born, would you rather be born in the future or in the past? In the past, for sure. Yeah, the world's changed a lot since... I was a kid and I could only imagine where it's, where it's going. So I think just going back to those old days when everything was just chill would be would be a fun time to live. Oh, for sure. And even if I like went back to when my dad was born, I mean, Simi was popping with like motocross, you know, like almost like the Mecca of motocross with Honda Land, Oak Town, all that. So if I was born during that time where I can just ride out from my garage and go ride in the hills, you know, all that. Now, you, can, you know, can't do any of that. But uh, so I definitely wish I was born in the past. Yeah, now you got to load up. Makes it a little bit more difficult. It'd be nice just to roll out of your garage. Oh, sure. Now I got an hour and a half drive to Glen Helen, which is the closest, like, shouldn't say closest track, but closest real rough track. Um, LACR is only an hour, but yeah, you, know, you can only do so much there. Yeah, it's like a freeway. <laughs> it's fun, but it's definitely not anything like racing on any other track. Yeah, definitely. Chipotle or Chick-fil-A? Ooh, I've been, I've been on that Chipotle grind, so Chipotle. I'm with you there, and I feel like Chipotle, it's just you just can't beat it. Chick-fil-A's good, but Chipotle always hits the spot. Oh, for sure. And this is the last one, when I've asked it on every podcast so far, Coke or Pepsi? I know you're probably not drinking a lot of soda, but if you had to pick one. You know what? I don't like soda. I'd say neither. What, what's, your, uh, what's your drink of choice, something that's not healthy that you just like to have? Um, a Capri Sun. <laughs> yep. I'm always, always drinking those when I'm uh, <laughs> uh Pacific Cooler or what flavor? I can't oh, even yeah. remember. <laughs> That's the only acceptable one. Right on. I don't know what your training program is like, if it's strict or how strict it is, but what's something that, that you eat that you don't tell anybody that you eat because you don't want anybody knowing that you're, you're eating that type of food? Well, I do like some ice cream. So every now and then I'll go out and get some ice cream for dessert, but 
other than that, it's pretty basic meals. I wouldn't say either. Like it's not, they're not extremely healthy and they're not like junk food. It's kind of in between. But lately I've been kind of cracking down on what I've been eating. But yeah, ice cream for sure. And it makes it, it's too easy nowadays. They have all these apps you can order food, get delivered. Like it's just, it's too easy to eat bad if you, if, if you wanted to. Sure. Do you have any pet peeves? What, what's your biggest pet peeve? When people are late. I'm, I'm the type of person who's there five minutes, like if I'm an appointment somewhere, I'm in there five minutes early checking in or even 10 minutes early. Or if I'm meeting up with someone, I'm there five minutes early in the parking lot, you know. So being late is definitely one of my biggest pet peeves. I think that's a good quality to have. You actually, you showed up early to this interview, so it, that, that makes sense. <laughs> what is something that most people don't know about you? Ooh, that I was in public school which we already touched on, but that was definitely, or it's been the hardest part about racing at, you know, a level that we race at. I ride once a week, maybe once every two weeks, and not a lot of people know that. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's definitely but interesting. That makes it tough for sure, and, but it's, uh, it's fun. It's a challenge. Yeah, does that affect your fitness on the bike and how comfortable you are on the bike? Do you ever get back after a week or two and you're like, man, I'm rusty. Like, what am I doing? Not really. After about a, one lap, you kind of get into it. And my uncle always told me, you either have it or you don't. Mm. So, you know, I'd like to ride a lot more. It'd be nice, but we're just so far away from all the tracks and it, it gets a little pricey. But definitely going into some of the nationals, like we kind of lack on the testing, little bit of fitness, but for the most part, I'm staying pretty active in the gym, mountain bike, all that. But yeah, it, it's, not, it's not too bad. Yeah, I'm sure some of the guys or most of the guys that you're racing at the top of the class are riding three to four days a week and on the weekends they're doing a lot, right? So it, it's probably hard in your head to want to stack up against them, but at the same time you want to, and you're putting everything into it. So it's interesting to see both sides of the fence on how it's approached to riding and racing. Yeah, for sure. Like it, going back to, you know, public school, I'm just a normal kid. So I get to live both sides of the spectrum, if you will, you know, moto kid half the week normal kid the other half you know what I'm saying so it's cool and I really enjoy it and I think it'll be good for me in the future yeah too and you hear a lot about kids being burnt out at at your age they've been doing it for 15 years since they're four or five years old and that's all they've done and that's all they do that's all they know and so they don't ever get the other side of it like you have so I I think that's also could be an advantage to something that you have where you you're, you're doing both but you you get to experience the other things in life Oh, for sure. Every time I get to ride my, my dirt bike, I have a smile on my face, having fun. No matter how hot, how cold, rainy, windy, whatever, you know, we're out there riding our dirt bikes with a smile on our face and that's all it's about. Exactly. Are there any other sports other than motocross that you're into? Not really. Other than mountain biking and maybe golf, like golf every now and then. But uh, yeah, not uh, nothing too serious. Yeah, it seems like everyone that's into motocross is into mountain bikes and golf nowadays and not into many other sports. It's kind of a niche thing where once you're a moto guy, you're, you're just a moto guy. It seems more and more people are getting into mountain bikes and golf. I think that's just something that is easy to do and maybe can't hurt yourself other than mountain bikes. Yeah. People, you know, those things are pretty dangerous too, but it's yeah. not, it's not that bad. Yeah. Definitely try to stay away from those injuries off the bike. So what does a typical day or week look like for you? You mentioned school and and being far from the track, kind of run us through your typical day and or what your week looks like. 
So when I was in school, I was going to school five days a week. And it was funny. I actually had one teacher that was right after lunch that I would get my work done early, submit it. And he would let me actually kind of skip out of his class to go ride in the afternoon at Glen Helen. So on Thursdays, I would leave his class a little bit early and uh, hop in my truck, go pick up the van from the house and uh, pin it out and ride Thursdays. And then when I was on mini bikes, I would ride only on the weekends. But now that we're on big bikes, it's a little dangerous because, you know, other people pay the same amount of money you do to ride the track. And, you know, they're out there having fun keeping the sport alive. So when you're out there trying to do motos and, you know, they don't, they don't like that that much. So, and uh, trying to stay on the safe side as well. It's just smarter to ride during the week than on the weekends with all those people. But now that I'm out of school, it's, you know, wake up probably around seven o'clock, kind of get moving, go to the gym in the morning. And then my uncle helps me out with all my bike work. So I'll usually go over to his house work on bikes and then just do what I got to do. And, you know, that's basically it. And then on ride days, we'll leave the house as early as 530 to get to the tracks. So, and then by the time I get home, it's four o'clock and it's basically the end of our day. Riding Thursday afternoon at Glen Helen, which is probably really good for you and training and riding a rough track. But for me, that doesn't sound very fun. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was fun. You get part of the same track over and over and over. So, yeah, but. Yeah. And you mentioned riding on the weekend with, with us, uh, weekend warriors out there. We're definitely not on your speed. I always wonder, you know, when I go to the track and there's usually a couple of really fast guys there and I'm doing everything I can to get out of their way, but I'm sure at times it's probably frustrating. You guys are going so fast compared to us. And so, um, it's probably really tough to, to do motos actually doing safe motos, I'd say. Yeah. For sure. And you just got to remember that they're out there having fun too. Same thing as you, you know, yeah. like, you know, we're at that level, we're training during the week. That's what we do. A lot of these other people have jobs, can only ride on the weekends. So you got to think about that. Again, they pay the same amount you do to ride the track. So on the weekends, you know, can't rev your bike at people. You can't run them high. You can't do that. You got to let them have fun and you just ride a safe moto. Yeah. We'll give one or two of those panic revs in the corner. People usually get out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, some people, sometimes people get a little, little pissy. So yeah, yeah, kind of got to let them go and have fun on their air bike. Have you ever had a, a time where you wanted to quit and just live the normal kid life or have you ever had that battle with yourself? No, never with myself. I think we've contemplated it just because I was in public school, good grades, you know, um, just go to college, kind of stop racing, but. It's one of those sports when you're in it, you're in it. It's so hard to get out. Like, I don't think I'll ever not own a dirt bike, you know? So yeah, it was, was never like a mental battle for me because I'm not burnt out on it. I feel fresh every time I'm riding, I'm having fun. And my dad and I are with each other every weekend racing and I'm staying out of trouble. Yeah. Just having fun. Yeah. That's one thing. It definitely, with riding and racing, it tends to keep kids out of the trouble they could be getting into on the weekends with if they're just, you know, hanging out with their friends or whatever. But after yeah, sure. And I think that's cool. As long as you have the right approach, it seems like you do with you're wanting to give a go of this thing, but you also have a plan B in the back of your head. And so I think that's that's always important. And you didn't lose sight of that, that, you know, there there's both sides of it and, and you're gonna give it your all, but also know that you have a backup plan if it if it doesn't work out. Yeah, definitely. And like even my dad sees it on Friday nights. I'm in my uncle's garage working on bikes until midnight just to race on or practice Saturday, race Sunday, which I could, my town's small, not much to do. So what these other kids are doing, you know, uh, 
not what I want to be into. So it, good. It's, it's keep me out. And uh, yeah, it's a good thing for sure. One last thing on the personal side, looking back, if you can talk to your younger self about having the dream to make it to a pro one day, what's one thing that you would share with yourself or tell yourself um, with a younger self of you? I wish I would have taken it a little bit more seriously when I was younger. But then again, I think because I didn't take it so serious, now I feel not burnt out and I'm having more fun than ever right now. Um, you know, got some help from Stan Benson and we're out there racing and having some fun. So I, I think that that part's cool, but definitely wish I would have taken it a little bit more seriously, put some more time in the gym, maybe harder motos and whatnot. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's also what, yeah, that's kind of when you look and talk to other people is, is, you know, wish they trained harder and, or wish you did the extra lap or extra moto because when you're, when you're out there, right, you can just be like, all right, I'm going to pull off. But then when you get to a race or whatever and you're, and you're dying halfway through the moto, you're like, man, I really wish I would have put in that extra effort where at the time it didn't seem like that big of a deal, but in reality, it, it probably would have helped out. Yeah, for sure. We'll talk a little bit about that Stan Benson ride. How long have you been on the team? How did that all come about? So I've been on the team since the AT features um, in January, or at least that was the announcement. But yeah, I texted John, the owner, and asked him if there was a spot on the team and if I could try the bike out. We went, tested the bike, felt good, and we got the ride. So I'm stoked. We got Clover Hill suspension and all the great sponsors on the team helping out. So it's, it's a cool gig, and I'm excited for Loretta's and everything else to come. And what were you on before you got this ride? I was on basically my own deal with Simi Valley Cycles, Blue Crew Support. But yeah, as soon as I hopped on the Cali, I felt felt a lot more comfortable and actually a little bit faster. So that that's cool. Yeah, and has it been a big relief for you guys to have you know support from a team? I'm not sure, you know, the ins and outs of the support you get, but is it does it take a lot of stress off your guys' back knowing that you have a team and support support with equipment rather than doing it kind of on your own? Yeah, it's sweet because my uncle helps me out with my practice bikes and stuff. But when we went to the races, I was my own mechanic. My dad just packed my gate and set my whole set device. So like Loretta's, I'd come off the track, I'd still be in gear and I'd be washing my bike. You know, you don't see a lot of kids doing that, especially inside the, the top five, top 10, you know. So um, this year, the team supplies mechanics for the big races, which is a huge relief, a bike for the nationals. So it takes a lot of stress off of myself my dad, my uncle. So we just can show up to the nationals race and do our best. Yeah. And it probably is nice when you go to those big races that you can just, you know, roll up to the rig and your race bikes there and roll up with just a gear bag and knowing that everything's going to be taken care of for you for that week. And you're not having to, you're not having to stress out a bunch and you can just focus on racing. Yeah, it's sweet. And it's a super cool environment over there. Everyone's real friendly and uh, yeah, it's definitely something I wanted to be a part of. Yeah. And they've gotten big over the last few years. I saw your guys' setup at Freestone and you guys had the rig and everything. It looked like a pretty sick setup. Yeah, it was sweet. Definitely a cool setup. Are you riding and training with any of your teammates often or are you just kind of doing your own thing during the week or on the weekends? Kind of doing my own thing. I'll train with Martin Costello over at World Moto. Before Loretta's, I was training with him about once a week or at least trying to. Um, but lately, I haven't been able to. Uh, it's just it's just hard because I've been outdoor and then Supercross, outdoor Supercross. So... Trying to nail down a date is hard. But uh, yeah, before Loretta's, definitely going to get back to work with him and come about swinging. Cool. And then so looking back at some of your results last year, it looked like you did pretty good at Loretta's and 250B and 450B. 
were you stoked at those results or did you expect a little bit more or what are your thoughts? So coming into Loretta's, I think I rode three weeks up, like leading up to Loretta's. Just again, getting bikes together, blew up a bike two weeks before we left and then all that fun stuff, right? So it was, it was a struggle. And, and prior to that, I was riding once a week, just trying to get some laps down. And I went in there you know, not knowing where I would be. Practice went good. Um, racing was going good. I blew out one rim during practice. So I got like one full practice and two laps the next and then blew two wheels out. I blew it out the first moto of 250B Limited and fell back to fifth. And then in the third moto, I was up front and in ch championship contention and uh, I blew out another wheel. So it sucked, ended up fifth overall. But, you know, might have been my fault, might have overtorqued the, the spokes a little bit. But, you know, it is what it is and we live and we learn. Yeah, and I think, I don't know if it was 2022 or 2021, but I heard of a lot of broken wheels that weekend. And I don't know if it was that that tabletop jump into the sand that you guys were all doing or or what it was, but I remember reading about a bunch of blown out wheels. And I don't know if you heard the same or not, but. Well, uh, so that, it was, I think it was last year, um, but that flood came in and it washed all like the topsoil off. And it was all that hard, you know, dirt underneath. And they brought in dirt and put it on top and which I think is what was causing it. But I did one going into Storyland, one coming out of Storyland, and then one going into the right-hand sweeper, um, sand sweeper. A big, like, triple win or whatever. But, yeah, so I did it in three different spots. So, you know, it happens. Uh, I think I would have been a little bit more pissed if I did it, did all three in the same spot. But <laughs> You're probably was, thinking, what is going on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was brutal. It, it was definitely a sucker punch to the gut. But, uh yeah, the speed was there, and I was kind of, I was stoked, stoked on my ride. You just got back from Texas probably a couple of weeks ago, or maybe last week. How did Freestone and Springeding go for you? When did you make your jump to the pro class? Was that right? Is this your first race in the pro class? No, so I did AZ Open early December, and did the combine. I ended up boiling fuel. I don't even think I finished a moto, and then after that, I took I think a month and a half off. Cause I was still in school trying to finish up. And then I went to AZ open after, yeah, I think a month and a half and raced my first pro race. I think I ended up third there. Then after that, I switched to Cowie and then I went over or went on a trip for new year's, came back, got the invite to a two. So I rode Supercross, I think six or seven times raced a two hurt myself there. Took about two and a half weeks off. I shouldn't say hurt, just kind of strained a muscle. Got all swollen and stuff, had a race with it, but took about two and a half weeks off after that. And then uh, rolled around Mesquite for the area qualifier, which was, I think, my third and fourth day on outdoor on that Cowie. Um, and then rode two days of Supercross, raced Arlington, and then went to underground, trained for a few days, and then went into Spring Nationals. So I was definitely a little underprepared as far as outdoor goes with only a few rides on outdoor. But it was it was good. We struggled with suspension a little bit. We had a Glen Helen setting. Um, oh yeah, a lot different. So it, you know, Glen Helen setting's a lot softer than what you run back east. So, like I said, Stephen and Nick over at Clover Hill aren't afraid to do some work. So every moto we had a different setup, and we ended up coming down with a good one. But it was rough. Um, definitely was off the pace and kind of disappointed in myself. Didn't have the results that I should, and let down the team. But yeah. Just definitely disappointing. 
Yeah, I was looking. The classes were definitely stacked. You could say that. I mean, a lot of top guys at the top. And I mean, you even had that kid come down from Canada that won yeah, you know, the MX2 class up there. Um, so it definitely, definitely wasn't easy sailing over there. Were you surprised at the pace or how different was it from going from the B class to the A class at one of these big nationals? Um, I don't think it was that different, but you, you get all the B limited and then like all the 250 E mod guys all in the same class. So it, it was pretty stacked. And, you know, you have probably 16, 17, you know, good guy, well-known guys in the pro class. So it was definitely stacked. I think it's the most stacked I've seen it in a while. Um, but the pace, I don't think it was super, super fast, but I was, you know, I was off for sure. But I know I can get up there and I just got to put in the work. Yeah. And do you, because you're not riding racing that much, do you, do you think you ever struggle with the intensity? Cause you know, you come off the line and those guys are just sprinting the whole race and where, you know, when you're practicing, it's hard to emulate race pace. Is that something you think you struggle with maybe because you're not racing all the time, riding all the time, or it's just, it was just maybe just more on par that weekend. No, definitely. My intensity needs work. And it, it's hard to do when you're just riding by yourself. Like I try to hop in behind people or hop in in front of people. But the days I ride, not a lot of people are out there. So it's difficult. But hopefully we can turn it around and work on a few things and get, get a little bit more sprint laps going on the training days and, and pick it up. Yeah, some of the, those guys in your class that you're racing against, they're at these training facilities where they're riding with the pro level riders and day in and day out. And so they have always have someone to chase where I'm sure when you go to a track on a local practice day that you're, if you're not the fastest, you're one of the fastest guys there and there's really not someone to, to chase after. So that's probably a, just an advantage they have by, because that's what they're doing day in and day out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it would be cool to live at a training facility, but then it goes back again. Got the normal kid half the time, moto kid, the other half. So yeah, it would, I, that's another thing I wish I would have done that when I was a little younger. But yeah, it's definitely a disadvantage only riding a few days a week or one day a week and, uh, you know, not living at a training facility. But it's been done before, so I just got to buckle it on and do it. Yeah, and like you said, if you have it, you have it. And it's also, think I always think of the financial uh, hardship that must come with some of these training facilities. Some of these kids have been there for a very long time and there's a lot weighing on them to make it right with all that money invested. We all invest in riding and racing with bikes. And I mean, even, even us older guys, and we spend our own money to do it because we like doing it. So that's not such a big deal, but some, some parents have invested a lot of money in their kids and, you know, if they have it, that's great, but it's also, I can imagine it being pretty stressful for the family with that much invested into it. Yeah. And I mean, that's a cool thing. Like I'm the one, you know, swiping the card and I see how much we're spending and you know, I get it. Um, you know, my sister's got to go to college. Parents got to retire eventually. So you got to, you got to weigh that in as well. And I don't think a lot of people do, which it sucks, but yeah. But even, you know, as far as we live from the tracks, it's after a day of riding, it's like $300 for a tank gas in the van. Mm-hmm. Or if I run it or, you know, pump gas in the stock bike, you know, wear and tear on the bike, all that stuff. So it adds up quick and it's a very pricey sport. Yeah, especially with our gas prices and for you running probably, right, like you said, race gas and you're on a race bike and then how hard you're riding your bike compared to us weekend warriors, you're having to change out parts a lot quicker than than what we would for sure. So so you mentioned doing the Supercross Futures this year and like you mentioned, you did Anaheim too and Arlington. How did how did you feel those went and how did you feel you were for Supercross or were you kind of just winging it? 
Honestly, I was kind of just winging it. We got the invite early January and I was out of town. Came back, sent my suspension out, got it back. I think two days later, built the bike. And then I think I rode Sunday after A1 on like a little uh, amateur supercross track and then rode that again. And then I rode three or four times up at uh, the NA compound up in Adelanto. And uh, yeah, then went into A2 and it was rough. Uh, you know, it came in very unprepared. And then, like I said, I did something to my arm, like strained a muscle and I had to take two and a half weeks off before Arlington. Um, and then I went to Wyvern Road twice and raced Arlington. So both times I was definitely uh, unprepared, but it's the experience. And, you know, I think I ended up eighth at both both races, which isn't bad considering how much time I have on a supercross track. But I definitely need to put that to the side and get going so I can put in some results. Yeah, and I think, I mean, eighth is still impressive, but not everyone has the opportunity to go to these this year, unlike years past where they barely had a turnout. And I think a lot of people could just sign up or now you actually have to get an invitation. And I think I think that's cool. You got invited and I'm sure the experience for you, I mean, like you said, you weren't maybe the best prepared that you wanted to be, but going out there, racing in a stadium, racing under the lights, which was something new, right? You're in the night program doing on the same track as the pros in front of the same crowd. So I can imagine how nerve wracking that might've been, but probably a pretty good experience. Yeah. Not a lot of people get the race under the lights for sure. I mean, there's only what, 20, 22 of us, 20 on the gate. Um, you know, and uh, that's not a lot for as many uh, A guys there are, A and B this year. Um, but yeah, it's it's super cool. You know, we were debating on whether to do Arlington or not since I did take two and a half weeks off. But um, we ended up doing it just for the experience. I mean, it's really good and it prepares you for what's to come. And that stadium is pretty sick. I was actually there too watching in the crowd and I'm a Cowboys fan, but just that the dirt looked great. I don't know if it, I heard it was pretty slick, but. Just that stadium, the environment of a dome, and I mean, it, there was a lot of people there. I don't know how you felt, but that place is pretty rad. Yeah, it was sweet. I mean, it's cool looking up and seeing all the fans and, uh, you know, looking forward to doing that as a pro. So what has been the biggest or what has been the hardest thing to transition to Supercross? Is it just the lack of time on it or is is there something that you thought would be a lot easier in Supercross that's really been a lot harder to learn? It's just the lack of time. Like Arlington was the first time I ever hit a dragon's back. I mean, they had one at A2, but no one was skimming it. And it was only, what, three, three, four whoops right out of a 90, like a tight 90 after the finish. So everyone was just jumping up it. You know, we never skimmed it. But uh, yeah, so Arlington was my first time hitting a dragon's back, which was pretty scary, but I just had to do it, you know. And then I never hit a whoop section that long or that big. Compressed it were massive. I think I cracked there three, four times in them. They were huge. up to me and... They're like, dude, why do you keep crashing the whoops? I'm like, dude, I I've never hit anything this big. Like, I just got to figure it out. The only way I'm going to do that is to keep going through them, you know? And like, they weren't hard crashes. I think I had one pretty, pretty big one. But I mean, I, like I said, never hit anything that big. So I had to, had to learn somehow, right? Yeah, they were taken out. Even the pro guys. I mean, I saw there were so many wrecks in the whoop section. They were, they were pretty, they were pretty gnarly, it seemed like. Yeah, and on, on press day, we're the only ones hitting them. And then they toned them down big time for Saturday. Well, it's like on on Friday you can even roll through them. They're so squared at the bottom, and rolled on the top. So if you just drop the wheel just a little bit, which I did, I think twice, you know, you go down. So, um, but yeah, they were fun. It's a fun learning experience and a really really cool environment. 
Yeah, and the whoops look pretty big from the stands, but man, when you get on the track and walk those things and you're walking in between them, they're almost, they're, you know, they could be up to your waist. Oh, for, <laughs> like my dad for uh, uh, Preston was up in the stands and on Saturday he, uh, he got down to the track walk and all day Friday he's like, dude, just the dragons back to that, 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 right off the top. I'm like, yeah, you go do it, you know? Like, and I'm like, come over yeah. to this walk walk. And he's like, he looks at it and he goes, oh, I'm like, yeah, it's pretty big, huh? Like, doesn't look that big from the, from the stands but uh yeah yeah it's definitely definitely gnarly but i mean martin told me he goes don't get psyched out on the track walk he goes do you ever go walk a track like at a, at a practice track and i go no he goes you just hop on your bike you go roll a lap and you go and hit everything like it's no big deal I'm like yep and he goes well when you walk it on race day he goes everything's gonna look massive and he goes but then you're gonna get on your bike and it's all gonna be normal again so you just gotta keep that out of your mind don't get psyched out on the track walk um and then just do what you know how to do on your dirt bike yeah, that's actually pretty good advice because like you said, you don't spin or you never really walk a track. I mean, you might when you're a kid at night rolling around the track or whatever, but yeah. you're, not, you're not ever walking around a track like, oh man, that thing's so big. But I, so I can imagine get down on a supercross floor and yeah, you just glance at it. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm sure you've been in the stands watching supercrosses when you're younger and you're like, oh man, I don't know why they're not jumping that. And then you get down yeah. there. It's like, oh, never mind. Yeah, it, it's gnarly. And like both A2 and Arlington, you know, we got the roughest of the rough track. Um, so like by, by the, the, the night show in Arlington, the dragon's back. We weren't even skimming it. We we're jumping to the top and jumping off, you know. So yeah, it's, it's pretty gnarly. You don't get any practice tracks that, that get that gnarly. So again, good, good experience. So what's the plan for you for Supercross? Or if you decide to make a go at it, are you going to or ride at a practice supercross track somewhere so you can get more experience on it? Or you just, I know they have a lot of them down South, maybe not as many as they used to, but what is your plan around supercross? Yeah. So I rode yesterday on Sunday. Um, and then I'll ride tomorrow, Tuesday, I'll ride Wednesday, and then I'm going to try to ride Friday. So going out on a limb and riding more than once a week, which is so not like me, but I got to get, got to get going, got to get some results. in. so going to do whatever it takes for these next two weeks prior to Glendale and try, try to get somewhat of a good result. Is there a pro rider or a rider pastor that's racing now that you, you look up to or when you're watching Supercross and you're like, man, they make it look really easy and that's someone that you want to emulate? And is there someone out there like that? You know, the Lawrence brothers make it look so easy. Like their riding style, they have very little mistakes. And when they're hanging it out, it doesn't even look like they're hanging it out. Whereas the guys behind them look like they're going to, they might crash on the next second or two. They make it look super, super easy. Yeah. And I think we saw that this weekend in Seattle where McAdoo and Hampshire just looked like they're guns, sending it guns blazing. Yeah. And then Jet looks like he's out there on a Sunday cruise. It's, yeah, for it's, sure. It's insane. Yeah. If, if you can get like that, you know, it, it'd be, it'd be awesome. Yeah. And it's also pretty interesting when, when you watch some of these top amateur kids coming up and, all this scrubbing and everything they're doing. And then you watch guys at the top, like Hunter and Jet, like, yeah, they scrub and stay low and stuff like that, but they're very calm on the bike. They they save a lot of energy. So I, yeah. I, I don't know if that's just an amateur thing where everybody just is getting buck wild all the time. But man, you look at those guys and I'm like, like you said, it doesn't even look like they're going that fast, which they are, but they're just so in control. Yeah, they it looks like they're just using their body very, very well to absorb everything. So they don't really have to scrub. Like you watch Jet, he just moves his bike very slightly, you know, um, yeah. whereas all these other guys are trying to push, scrub, whip, all, you know, all that. And he's just very methodical and, and smooth with it. Yeah, very efficient on the bike for sure. 
What does the rest of 2023 look like for you? What are your plans? So yeah, we're going to do Glendale and then Cal Classic after that. I think I got another area to do and a Mammoth qualifier. We got Mammoth coming up. And then, or I think before Mammoth, we have Salt Lake City, the final for the futures. So we'll get back on some Supercross. And then after Mammoth, we just hit it hard for, for Loretta's and come out swinging. Yeah, Mammoth is going to be interesting with all the snow they have up there. I'm curious what it's going to look like in June when we get up there. Yeah, for sure. After Loretta's, are you, do you have any plans? Are you going to do any of the moto combines or maybe have you thought about jumping in to get your feet wet with that new role they have that you can, you can race few nationals unless until you get so many points. What are your, what are your plans for that? I was going to, if they had the final at Paula, I was going to do that, but it ends back East. Like the last few are way back East and it's a little far for us to get over there and be real expensive. So I'm not sure if we're going to, if we're going to do that after Loretta's, but who knows, maybe something will come up and I'll be able to do it. What are your plans for 2024? Is your Stan Vincent ride a one-year deal or are you with them next year? Yeah, it's a one-year deal. I'm not too sure what I'm doing next year. I want to race the West Coast Series of Supercross, but it all depends on how this year goes and what comes about in the future. That's cool. So you're wanting to, in 2024 at least, start racing some pro races, ideally in the West Coast Supercross. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's cool, man. I appreciate you taking the time to do this with me today. Who out there would you like to thank that helped you out? I want to thank Stan Benson Racing for all the help. They've been a huge, huge step in the right direction for me. Obviously, my mom, my dad, my sister, my uncle Mark Easley for all the help on the bike work. Unwired, X-Brand, Fly, Monster, Asterix, Mika Metals, ETS Fuel, and everyone else. You know, it's, I couldn't do it without them. Expensive sport and without sponsors, I don't know how people do it. It's pretty, uh, pretty crazy. I agree. That's cool. And I think the approach you had is interesting and not something we see all the, all the time with going to school and, and still racing and maybe not riding racing as much as you want to, but I mean, you're still out there. You, you're on a good team and progressing. So I, I think that's cool. I appreciate the time today. Get some Supercross time in and yeah, good luck in Glendale. Yes, sir. Thank you for everything. I appreciate it.